This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. All right, I'm kicking off this podcast a little bit different. I just wanted to give a shout out to this restoration shop. I can't go into specifics here. But what I will tell you is, is I feel like I just saw this year's Pebble Beach award-winning car. Now, Pebble Beach isn't until uh, August timeframe, and this car is not yet complete. But this car is so significant. I've heard about it for 20 years. I've been trying to find it for three years, and I stumbled upon it three days ago. The restoration's not complete. It's debuting at Pebble Beach, and I can tell you right now, this car is going to win the entire show. We will see if I'm correct. As soon as it is public knowledge, as soon as they announce that they are going to be in the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance in August, I will do a I will do a podcast about it to tell you why this car will win Pebble Beach, and we'll see if I am correct. I'm I'm wrong a lot. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. For this episode, I wanted to dig into some of the market trends. Because I feel like the market has peaked. As I've looked at a lot of this information, valuation data for the podcast, I have noticed a lot of, at least the last 12 months, information. Most of the cars have been either flat uh, or their growth has dramatically slowed um, or it's even slightly negative. But according to the data I'm about to review, the peak was actually June of 2022. So the gap between June and the previous peak was six years and nine months. Things are cyclical. It seems like, you know what, if we are on a downward trend, the next peak will be in six to eight years. Now that's skewed somewhat because COVID really ramped up uh, the valuation of cars as people were stuck at home working on these cars. People spent a lot more money. They had a, a lot more income in which to do so. They weren't traveling. Uh, a lot of different reasons behind why things have gone nuts recently. Also, a lot of reasons as far as why things are slowing down. Now, a big part of that would be the interest rates uh, going up. That's obviously a big part that slows the flow of money. Um, some other global issues as well, but I'm not going into going into all that. I just want to kind of touch on some of the inf information I've seen where I believe uh, we have peaked and we're on a downward trend. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It makes cars more affordable. If you're trying to sell a car right now, I think it's a great time to sell because I do believe uh, this decline in value will continue. It will be ups and downs, obviously, but I think it will continue uh, for the next few years. Now, I will call out some cars um, in, in uh, different categories that have outperformed over the last few months and then some, that, some cars that are more of a driver of a negative trend. So for this, I decided to use Haggerty's valuation tool, tool, which identifies market trends. Let me review this for you. All right, so they have these Haggerty Collector Car Indices, and I'll go into each one of these, and I'll tell you the drivers, both positive and negative, but they also have this Haggerty uh, Market Rating. So I'm gonna go back up here. So the Haggerty Market Rating measures the current status of the collector car market in terms of activity or heat, directional momentum, and the underlying strength of the market. The Haggerty market rating is expressed as a closed zero to 100 number with a corresponding open-ended index like the Dow Jones or NASDAQ. All right, let's see. The Haggerty market rating is unique because it is the only measure of the overall state of the classic vehicle market 
that employs a comprehensive algorithm algorithm of weighted market transactional data, including the world's largest database of private sales transaction, correlated financial market instruments, and other market fast factors. That's a fancy way to say they crunch a bunch of numbers. So that's great. Activity or heat is represented by variables like rate of change in an auction activity and numbers of transactions, private sales activity, and the number of cars offered publicly for sale. Directional momentum is represented by multiple evaluation trends plotted from auctions, private sales, and insured values. Market strength or weakness is measured by variables such as Haggerty Price Guide values, public auction performance, subjective expert opinions, and other correlated financial market instruments. In this market, liquidity is represented by the intersection of number of cars on the market, private sale, and auction sale activity. While theoretically possible, ratings at or near the zero or 100 poles are not likely to ever be seen. The higher the number, quote unquote, number goes on the scale, the more market activity it takes to move the number. The same is true at the lower end of the scale. So for April of 2023, the market rating was 73.01. Doesn't mean a lot. You just kind of got to look at it in a trend. So this is what is interesting. So let's see. I've got a nice bar graph here. Uh, let's see, the drivers of this month's increase, the Haggerty market rating has reversed its downward spiral. So it's been downward, a downward spiral, increasing 0.2 points this month and ending a six-month streak of consecutive decreases. The second longest slide in market rating history. I think that's key. Second longest slide in market rating history, which goes back, I think, 15 years or so. So that's significant. There might be a little blip up right now, but I don't think you're going to slow that slide. With the help of a record-setting Amelia Island auction, the median, sale, the median sales price saw its first increase in six months. Strong prices at Amelia slightly improved optimism among our industry experts. However, they still believe this is a flat market, which is really interesting because they have a bar graph here, a bell graph, where... Um, if it's flat market, they say it's around the 50 point area. Well, they had just seen that, you know, in April we're at 73 and 73 is identified as hyper appreciating. So I don't quite, I, I don't quite understand that correlation. You would think, uh, if, you know, if the experts think, you know, it's flat, uh, the trends would also show that, but the experts just might be a little bit ahead. The actual data. The data sometimes takes a few months before it is realized in Haggerty's databases. All right, so I want to look at each of these different indices. Now, if you try to find this information online, it's not actually online in the U.S. You have to go to Haggerty's uh, British <laughs> website. So just a he heads up. Uh, so there's a lot of different uh, buckets that they put in as indices. Let's see if I can find it here. Yeah, here. So I'm going to show you just an overview. They go from everything from uh, the total view down to indices such as 1950s American classics to Ferraris to uh, German cars. So uh, let's see. Let's go to the next slide. All right. Our first one, 1950s American. Now, this is the expert commentary, and I'll give you some information here in a second. The 1950s American classic posted another positive quarter gaining an additional percentage point. As with many of the other indices, the gain comes as the very mixed, with very mixed movement. Following the January auctions in Scottsdale and Kissimmee, however, it is apparent that there is still room to grow for some vehicles. 
1957 Ford Thunderbird rose by an impressive 13%, while the less-discussed Hudson Hornet gained uh, 10%. Notable losses in this segment were the elegant Continental Mark II at a 10% loss and a Ford Fairlane 500 Skyliner, which softened by 7%, with seven component cars gaining values and six losing. There is little clear direction on the future direction of 1950s American cars. Now, all of these quotes are from Greg Ingold uh, from April of 2023. Now, I did pick out the positive and negative. So if you go to their index values, it actually shows the cars that make up the indices. And uh, there's a nice bar chart that shows the valuation trends back to September of 2020. And then you can dig into the actual numbers for each of the cars. Now, all these cars are... Uh, graded at a number three good condition. Uh, I found if you do number one or number four fair, number one is Concord, number four is fair, the variances are much higher, especially for number one. Uh, so from 1950s American Classics, the most positive driver of all those cars uh, was a 1958 Studebaker Golden Hawk two-door hardtop up 44.6% since the peak June of 2022. So that's just a brief read, um, almost a year read, but uh, just a brief read, and it's up 44.6%. Now, the negative driver for the same time frame from that indices was the 1956 Ford Fairlane Sunliner down 6.4%. So, not down a ton. You know, I honestly expected some of them to be down a little bit more than that. Uh, the next indices that we're going to talk about is affordable classics. So here's the expert commentary. For the second update in a row, Haggerty's affordable classic index has posted no appreciable movement, proving that last quarter's pause is no fluke. While the term affordable in the context of the component cars has changed, the index rise since 2017 perfectly outlines just how much the market has expanded, especially since 2020. Surprisingly, many component cars posted modest gains from the Corvair Monza's 5% bump to the Studebaker Lark's 9% increase. Eight of the 13 component cars saw growth. However, the Datsun 240Z's slide continued with a 4% loss, and the 1967 Volkswagen Beetle decreased by 8%. These two decreases sucked away any forward momentum. While results are too mixed to confidently predict a leveling off at the lower end of the market, continued performance is hard to ignore. All right, so they define these, uh, let's see, 12 cars priced under $40,000 from the 1950s to the 1970s. And the two cars I picked out here, the, the drivers, let's see, one of them would be the 1949 Buick Roadmaster model 76S Sedanet. Uh, I think that's how you say that, uh, up 27.8%. And the negative driver was the 1971, as mentioned in the article, uh, Datsun 240Z, down 11.9%. So that's interesting about the Datsun. Obviously, the Japanese cars have been really, really strong for a number of years, and they've just not only flattened out, but they've actually started to decline a little bit. They just kind of went probably up a little bit too too much, too fast, too quick. All right, the next one we're going to talk about are, are the blue chip cars. While the end of 2022 was slow for the top of the market, the beginning of 2023 saw renewed activity following the Scottsdale, Paris, and Amelia Island auctions. 
The results accumulated in a 1% increase to Hagerty's blue chip index. The bump doesn't quite tell the whole story of what is happening at the top of the market, however. Results of component cars were very active yet very mixed with seven vehicles posting gains and four of them losing ground. The largest increases were a 14% gain by the Mercedes-Benz 300SL going and a 9% increase by the Alfa Romeo TZ2, both at the very top end. The mid-range, meanwhile, saw a 6% gain by the Shelby GT350 and a 7% bump by the 1953 Corvette. That's surprising. Increases were tempered a bit by the 1967 Corvette 427, 435 horse, which lost 12%, and the Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud, which lost 4%. What we're seeing at the top of the market is indicative, indicative of what we're seeing elsewhere. Results are very mixed, but there is clearly still steam in the market. All right, so I wanted to look at the top and the bottom of these. And the top uh, positive driver is the 1973 Porsche Carrera RS 2.7 liter coupe. Now that's up 33.3%. And as mentioned in the article, the one that's dragging this indices down is the 1967 Corvette. Let's see, 427, 435 horse down 19.3%. All right, we've got, we're gonna cover British classics, Ferrari, German, and I believe muscle car. All right, so next we've got the British classics. Now there's a lot of cars in this, including MGs, Triumphs, Tigers, Heelys, Jaguars, the like. All right, following the previous quarter's 1% loss for Haggerty's British car index, the index settled in and stabilized to start 2023. But this doesn't mean that nothing is happening with British cars, and the segment is far more active than the overall number suggests. In fact, of the 10 component cars, all but one saw a notable change. Most gained value with the Austin Healey 3000 leading the way with an 8% increase, followed by the Series 1 Jaguar E-Type and Austin Healey 100 BN2, uh, with 5% and 4% increases respectively. So to me, that says, you know what, it's slowing because they're only single-digit increases when They've had double-digit increases for quite a while. There was also more modest growth from the Mark One MGB, as well as the Triumph TR3A and TR6. The broad range, the broad range of modest increases, however, was tempered by a 10% loss to the Sunbeam Tiger and a 5% drop of the Jaguar XK120. As with previous updates, the market for British cars remains strong, yet incredibly nuanced. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so the top ones for this particular one, let's see, as mentioned, let's see, the 1962 Triumph TR3A Roadster up 9%, and the negative driver was, keeps on showing the picture here. All right, the Tiger. So the 1967 Sunbeam Tiger was down 5.9%. All right, let's see. Let's move on to Ferraris. You know, I love Ferraris. So this one will be very interesting. Following a quiet end to 2022, Haggerty's Ferrari index posted a mild 1% increase this past quarter, partly thanks to the ramping up of auction season in January through March. Most component cars remained steady, while the ones that did move only saw modest changes. There are two clear winners in this quarter. The 250LM gained 3% and the Dino 246 GTS grew 5%. 
The 250 LMs increase comes from the first public offering in years in February at Retromobile Auctions in Paris. While the car went unsold, it had cut loose at the high bid. The total would have had it cut loose at the high bid, the total would have signaled an increase. The Dino's rise comes from a handful of surprisingly strong sales at Amelia Island. What we see in the Ferrari market is similar to the broader blue chip market, mixed results, but with a generally positive outlook. So, you know, so far everything sounds like it's growing, be it at one and two, you know, small percentage. Uh, But that's what I'm kind of picking up from the expert commentary. All right. So for Ferrari, as mentioned, the number one driver was the 1972 Dino 246 GTS Spider up 6%. I think this is the car that's probably going to get hammered the most uh, from a declining perspective, only because, I mean, you can look at this. The average value of this car is $227,000. That's in number three. In number one condition, this is a million-dollar car now, a Dino. And, you know, the uh, 365... um, Daytona Ferraris, front-engine V12 Ferraris, are $660,000, $700,000. I just think there will be a big market correction for the Dinos here shortly. They are absolutely gorgeous cars. I understand they're fantastic handling cars, but it's not a front-engine V12 Ferrari. So I think I think it's going to come down to earth here soon. All right. There were no negative drivers for the Ferrari into C. But the one that was up the least is one of my favorite Ferraris. The, let's see, the 1963 Ferrari 250 GT Aluso, absolutely gorgeous car, only up 3.1%. So, if, you know, it's still up, but it was up the least of all the Ferraris that are in the indice. All right, next, we're going to go to German. All right, so for German, this is everything, including a 1948 Porsche Gamun Coupe to BMWs to... Uh, look, Mercedes, a couple Mercedes in there. Basically, those are the three. BMWs, Mercedes, and Porsche. German Classics were the clear winner with this update, posting the strongest quarter-over-quarter gain at 3% and putting the German index at an all-time high. Results here were also less mixed than other market segments, with five component cars gaining value and just one losing. Standout movers were the Mercedes-Benz 300SL Gullwing's 14% increase, followed by the 280SL's 12% gain. Porsche's 356 Coupes gained at a more modest rate of 2%, while the BMW M1 posted a 5% increase. The one loss was the Mercedes-Benz 190SL with a 10% drop. Outside of our component cars, much of the same story seen in the rest of the market is being played out. Instead of wider gains or losses, movement is targeted and erratic making the market's future much more uncertain than it might seem on the surface. I would agree with that. All right, so the positive drivers. Again, this is one from earlier. The 1973 uh, Porsche Carrera RS 2.7 liter, up 33.3%. And the negative driver was mentioned in the article, the 1962 uh, Mercedes-Benz 190SL two-door convertible. It's my understanding these things look cool for the most part, but they're not that great to drive. Um, They were trying to be the little brother to the big, mighty 300 SL. All right, so the last indice we are going to cover, sports, I'm sorry, muscle cars. So in this, there's a lot of uh, different cars here, GTO, Chevelle, 
Boss 429 Mustang, Charger, Impala, Roadrunner, a lot of Mopars, AMX, Buick GS, Camaro, Yinko, Cougar, a lot of good stuff in this category here. All right, so the expert commentary. On the heels of a 1% loss to Haggerty's Muscle Car Index in 2022, results from Scottsdale and Kissimmee in January pushed the index up by 2% to a new time all-time all high. That's interesting because I know the, the Resto mods are going nuts at Barrett right now, but I don't see any long-term value in those cars. That said, not everything in the muscle car segment is looking up. While some of the top-tier top muscle cars posted truly impressive increases this past quarter, the broader market is far more mixed with some models only regaining value they lost late in 2022 and others continuing to trend downward. The biggest surprise was the 23% increase by the Buick GS455. These cars have been lagging behind sister cars like the GTO and the Olds 442, but have finally caught up. Another big surprise was the 1969 Dodge Charger 500 with an increase by 20%. Other notable gainers were the 1970 LS6 Chevelle, which climbed 12% after a week showing at the end of 2022, and the Hemi Superbird, which posted a 6% increase. Those are now million-dollar cars. The Hemi 426 Superbird are now million-dollar cars. A large amount of Superbirds came to market in January at the risk of oversaturating the market, but the risk paid off with strong prices almost across the board. Meanwhile, the 1965 Pontiac GTOs continued its slide losing another 14%. The 1970 442 also lost 6%, even as its Buick GS sibling surged upward. The takeaway with the muscle car market is that there is still steam in the market, but the increasingly mixed results could point toward a rapidly approaching ceiling. All right, from a gaining perspective, the one that gained the most was the uh, Hemi Plymouth Roadrunner Superbird up 27.8%. Uh, the average value is $557,000. Number one value, Concord Condition, $1 million, as I mentioned before. All right, the negative driver was the GTO that was mentioned, the 1965 GTO. Let's see here, down 21.2%, and that was for a convertible version. Average value is $89,100. Mint condition, $217,000. I think that's really high. Anyways, all right. So interesting stuff. I'm really interested. If you're going to Meekum this weekend, I will be at Meekum on Saturday. I think that's the 13th with some friends. Uh, if you're there, say hello to me. Shoot me a note. Love to meet you in person. I'm, I'm really going to be fascinated by the Fox Body collection. A couple years ago, I did market trends for Fox Bodies. I'm really curious because there's so many of them and they're so low mileage cars. Uh, I think that will really give us a clue as far as at least the Fox bodies, how they're doing from our market trend perspective. And I think it will give a little snapshot uh, as far as how the total collector car market is doing. So as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please check out my YouTube channel every day at 4.30. There is a new under 60 second keep cash or collect video. I will continue to do those, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.